Liliana sell? Liliana, who led the Dreadhorde to victory against Nicol Bolas, the Dragon God. So I hope you realize how big of a deal it is to waste my time. So leave a message at your own risk. Hey there, Liliana. It's James from Flaming James MTG Oathbreaker. And, you know, I just... Uh, Nicol Bolas <laughs> wanted me to reach out and say he's very disappointed. But aside from that, we're going back through some old deck lists. Well, old products, you know, and yours was very near the top of the list. Your Almond Kick Planeswalker deck list. And I'm going through, like, hey, are these good for Oathbreaker or not? Let you know. Um, <clears throat> yeah, anyway, so let's just get right on to it. Okay, so you, Liliana Death Wilder, five black, black, seven converted mana cost. You come in with five loyalty counters. You're plus two. Put a minus one, minus one counter on up to one target creature. Now, I think that's pretty good in Oathbreaker because, you know, a lot of people still have little tokens, you know, all of, the, all of the tokens. And if it's not a token, then still it's minus one counter, so it builds up. And most, it's kind of like kill because everybody will have the tokens on the field, am I right? So you just take care of those. Where most other Planeswalkers don't have basically a removal as their plus ability it's always like they're minus like Vraska minus three destroy target creature artifact oh man that is not as good as a plus two get rid of a chump blocker that they're trying to protect their planeswalker with and um minus three destroy target creature with a minus one minus one counter that's not so good but because it's kind of like okay first you have to put the minus one minus one counter on it and then you have to wait a full rotation and then you can get rid of it so not that great if you ask me but then you're minus 10 return all creature cards from the graveyard to the battlefield so you get you get everybody but again remember how he said like tokens people will summon lots of tokens to protect their planeswalkers and to attack you and those don't really get in the graveyard so but if they have creatures that come into play and then bring in tokens with them like uh who's that one dude fabricated mechanist weapons craft enthusiast let, let me just type it real quick enthusiast yeah okay weaponscraft enthusiast let's look at him real fast yep two and a black can remain cost three he's a zero one with fabricate two when he enters the battlefield you can either put two plus one plus one counters on him or create two one one servo tokens yeah so like that guy that would be good for that ability but for minus 10 you'd want like lots of things in there for the payoff and then basically hopefully there's enough creatures on the battlefield that you pulled from the graves to just stomp across everybody but turn seven is kind of like the late game, you know, so to summon you then I don't think it's very practical to try to be like, hey, let's use the ultimate to win the game because that's so far out there. But that plus one is pretty good, even though it only takes care of like a token at a time. I personally, I think it would be fun in like a super casual, oh yeah, we all have these high expensive planeswalkers. But, you know, just some thought. Uh, featuring creatures. Festering mummy. Hold on. It's not, okay, it pulled up. It was having some struggles. Okay, for one black. This one one. When it dies, you may put a minus one, minus one count on target creature. So, because there's going to be lots of tokens. Your festering mummy goes away. 
and then you could put the counter on somebody else's token getting rid of them so it's kind of like you kill my creature then your creature gonna die too which i think is pretty good it's it's a one drop too so if you're not running things like a wafers bobble then festering mummy makes a great chump that is also kind of scary to your opponents and then next is dune beetle beetle not beeble <laughs> one in a black for one power and four toughness insect that's pretty lame it doesn't really do anything it's just defense and it's even not good at blocking swarms of stuff just one thing so doom beetle is a stupid beetle tattered mummy one in a black for a one power two toughness zombie jacal when it dies each opponent loses two life now that is pretty scary because that's like six life it's, that's a tenth of their life total um I don't know if you could like reanimate this and get it back make everybody lose more life it does have only one power and two toughness so i guess he could block some like tokens that's kind of it it would be better if he had two power though if he had two power two power two toughness then that would actually make him considerable for oathbreaker but so far i'm like no don't use this guy and channeler initiate Wait a minute, your deck is black-green? Huh, I had no idea. How about that? <laughs> so, Chandler Initiate, one in a green for a three power, four toughness, human druid. When it enters the battlefield, put three minus one, minus one counters on target creature you control. Oof. Well, it does cost two. And then you tap it, remove a minus one, minus one counter from Chandler Initiate, add one mana of any color to your mana pool, this would actually, yeah, this is this is a really, really interesting mana dork. Comes in, you pay two, comes in, it's a zero one, but each time you add mana, it gets even bigger. And then, like, three turns later, it's a three, four, and you paid two for it, and it gave you three mana. Man, that is really strong. I think this will be a really good mana dork. Because it starts out as a chump blocker that creates mana like any other mana dork. But then by the time where it's like, hey, it doesn't matter that this thing produces mana. It's just a chump blocker now. It's already a big creature. So I think this is an amazing mana dork for Oathbreaker. Definitely looking at it like, yeah, the Chandler Initiate is good. Oh, next is Baleful Emmet. Two and a black. Converted mana cost three. This crocodile demon four power and three toughness he has lifelink when it enters the battlefield put a minus one minus one counter on a target creature you control so you could either sacrifice like a little token or something to make keep this guy as a four three or you can just have him be a three two with lifelink and that's pretty lame so i'm not going to recommend him for your deck and desiccated naga is next two and a black for three power two toughness Zombie Naga. So it's a dead snake. Have you ever had dead snakes do? Um, I don't know. I just think that's something you would be interested in. Sorry. Um, his ability, its ability, my bad. Three and a black. Target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Activate this ability only if you control Liliana Planeswalker. I thought, like how it says target opponent loses two and then you gain two. If it said each opponent loses two, I'd be like, wow, this is so powerful. This would look work really well with one of the, the, the low Liliana's. I don't have the names off the top of my head, my bad. But still, I don't think that's good enough for four mana. Two for two, that's pretty not good.
Uh, okay, next one. Grave Digger, three and a black. I like this art. It's literally like a mummy with a staff dragging this guy through the sand. He's like, ah, I have to drag dead bodies. The flavor text is Almond Ket. Ever's shifting sands. Nothing stays buried for long. Oh, that's kind of morbid. <laughs> anyway, so... For converted mana cost of four, it's a 2-2 zombie. When it enters the battlefield, you may return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. It's uh, too expensive for Oathbreaker, if I say so. And then it's only a 2-2. You better be getting something really good back. But even then, it's like, eh, I suppose it's pretty decent. If somebody gets rid of, like, your Grave Titan, and you're like, I want him back. Grave digger, save me. But then at that point, so much mana, four plus six, you probably have to wait like a full another turn to get him out. And then Crocodile of the Crossing, three and a green for a crocodile. Ooh, but you didn't see that coming. Five power and four toughness. This crocodile has haste. So it comes in, it can attack immediately, but when it enters the battlefield, put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature you control. So it has the same stupid drawback as Baleful Amit. That makes me think, no, it's not worth your time. And now looking down to Giant Spider, three and a green, convert a mana cost of four. This spider, that's giant. Two power, four toughness with reach. I suppose this might be considerable because if somebody has haste where they have like griffins or cat knights flying through the air and you're like oh no how am i gonna stop it this giant spider yay go giant spider stop those birds then so i would actually consider this it's still kind of weak like only two power and four toughness for four mana eh, but just the fact that it has reach and can stop the flyers that go straight over your wall of tokens and all over your face that can prevent that so i'd say okay giant spider isn't that that bad of a consideration okay now decimator beetle why are there so many bugs and crocodiles in your omniket deck that's funny oh because you know beetles in the desert and crocodiles crocodiles live in the amazon does Amazon go through Egypt? I have no freaking idea. Anyway, Decimator Beetle. Three and a black and a green. So here we have very limited. I don't think... No, you could never use this, Lily. Because you're only black. And But, like, Vraska's black and green. She could use it. What are some other black and green planeswalkers? I don't know off the top of my head. So... I don't know. When it enters the battlefield, put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature you control. So it has the same stupid drawback. But this insect is four power, five toughness, four, five, lame. Whenever Decimator Beetle attacks, you may remove a minus one, minus one counter from target creature you control and put up to one minus one, minus one counter target creature defending player controls. So basically, he comes in. Somebody gets a minus one, minus one counter. You attack with the beetle. Now you change that. And now yeah, one of the opponent's creatures has it. I think that's way too many things. Like, oh man, it's so drawn out. If it had haste, then I would be like, maybe. But this doesn't even have haste. So there's no way I would ever consider it. Okay, Liliana's influence now. You got your own sorcery again, again. Probably again, again. So four and a black and a black converted mana cost of six for a sorcery. 
Put a minus one, minus one counter on each creature you don't control. And then you may search your library and or graveyard for a card named Liliana Deathwielder. Reveal it and put it into your hand. And then shuffle your library. That is kind of not the best because it only searches for Liliana Deathwielder, which as we already established earlier, the plus two is the best part about your card. So, oops, I accidentally clicked on it. Get Click back, click back, please. Thank you. Okay, so, but the minus one, minus one count on each creature you don't control is really good. You just, everybody has a token army. Good buy a token army. And if they didn't, now it's just like one, one token army. Or if they had like Garrick or something, now it's two, two tokens. And that's a lot easier to deal with than three threes and whatnot. So... That's a pretty good thing, but it's converting mana cost of six is so heavy. That's the late game, so I don't think this is going to be very good. Then we have an instant for two. Splendid. Did I say two? I meant there's two of them inside this deck. The converted mana cost is actually three. Two and a black. It's an instant. Distribute two minus one minus one counters among one or two target creatures. Ooh, this is nice. So you can pay three mana, destroy a 2-2 two -two knight, or destroy two 1-1 one -one goblins or soldiers or whatever. I think that's pretty good at helping to minimize somebody's board presence. But you could do it across two different players. You, I don't like your goblins. Bye-bye. Say bye to one of your goblins. You over there, Elspeth. Yeah, I'm looking at you. Bye-bye to a soldier. So I think this this could see actually play Splendid Agony it was. And now let's look at the artifacts of your Planeswalker deck. Edifice of Authority. This artifact for a converted mana cost of three. You can pay one and tap it. A target creature can't attack this turn. And then you put a brick counter on Edifice of Authority. I think... That first ability is kind of like, hey, if somebody has their own Grave Titan or Sun Titan or whatever, then you could be like, ah, oh, snap, pay, pay one, tap my Edifice of Authority. You can't get your ability trigger going. Ha ha, suck my Edifice. And oh, I think that first ability is pretty good, so maybe you might want to consider this. But wait, there's more. You can pay one, tap it. Until your next turn, target creature can't attack or block in his activated abilities can't be activated. Activate this only if there are three or more brick counters on Edifice of Authority. So I guess again, you kind of have to work your way up to that. But you know, if there's a really big boy on board and you're, it's scaring you, then you just pay the one tap, tap your Edifice, and nope, you can't attack. Stupid. <laughs> and you could actually do this to help out with like your friends. You're trying to get close to another player, so they'll help you win etc it'll become like two on two then they some other opponents swinging at them with the big boy and you're like no i'm gonna activate my edifice of authority hey oh i i suppose first you would say like hey i can stop this from attacking you but what do you have to give me in return and then i guess that's better but yeah since it's converting mana cost of three that comes out in the mid game which is when people switch from their build-up to okay i'm gonna stop you or i'm gonna come after you and this is one of those cards that says i'm gonna stop you so i think edifice of authority is pretty decent for oathbreaker okay the next one is luxa river shrine this is also a converted mana cost of three so it comes out mid game you can tap one mana and then tap it you gain one life then put a brick counter on it 
And then you have the tap you gain two life if it has three brick counters. So I don't think this is very good. It's like you pay one. It's like you pay X, you gain X life. But you can only pay one every single turn until you have three. Anyway, this is kind of confusing and not very good. So no, <laughs> I don't think it got any play anywhere other than the intro decks. Okay, the next one is Oracle's Vault. Ooh, this is a rare. So convert a man cost of four. It comes out at the end of the mid game. Uh, or early mid-game if you manage to ramp on turn one or two. At pay two and tap Oracle's Vault. Exile the top card of your library. Until end of turn, you may play that card and then put a brick counter on Oracle's Vault. So basically, you pay two, you draw a card, in a sense. You can use it, but as soon as the turn ends, you won't get to use it. And then once you have three brick counters, so you've done this three times you know, spread across three turns. You tap it, exile the top card of your library, until end of turn you may play that card without paying its mana cost. Ooh, that's pretty good. So you would pay six and exile the top three cards of your library, and then you can just start casting cards for free off the top. You might want to have some, like, untap effects with that, but I feel like that's... <gasps> Ooh, this would go amazing in Kiora's new thing. What was her name? Kiora... Uh, the one from War of the Spark. You feel her? Uh, I don't remember. Kiora War of Spark. Yeah, what's her name? What's her name? And she has the minus ability Behemoth Reckoner. Uh, she is two. Convert man cost of three, two, and a green or a blue. Seven. Loyalty counters. Whenever a creature with power four or greater enters the battlefield under control, draw a card. Minus one is untapped target permanent. <gasps> Guys, I mean Liliana, you have to be beware of Kiora Behemoth Reckoner because she and Oracle's Vault is super dope. I have to go share this on Twitter. Anyway, and let's move on to your enchantments. Yeah, Trial of Ambition, one in a black for an enchantment. When enters the battlefield, target opponent sacrifices a creature. And then when you summon a Kartoshi... I mean, I think this is because, you know, people are going to have tokens and they're just they're going to generate tokens and jump blockers with the intent of using them to protect their planeswalker. So they won't care if you pay two mana to make them lose a token that they probably just activated off of some other card's ability. So pretty lame. No trial of ambition for me. Not that you're any less ambitious, but we are going to test that. And then next is Cartouche. The Cartucci of Ambition. Two and a black for an aura, Cartucci. I said the first one was an enchantment, right? Yeah, I did. This Cartucci of Ambition, aura, and aura, Cartucci. Oh, Cartucci is in the card type. That's funny. I wonder if they'll bring those back in future sets. Anyway, enchant creature you control. When it enters the battlefield, you may put a minus one, minus one count on target creature. So, destroy an opponent's creature by making it go to zero, zero, or weaken it. Then enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one, and has lifelink. I think that's kind of not the best ability. If this had flash, then I could be like, hey, you swing at somebody with a big fatty, then you flash in Cartouche of Ambition, gain a bunch of life, but it, since it doesn't, I think this is kind of lame. Otherwise, they'll be like, oh, oh well, they might just destroy it after you summon Cartouche of Ambition because they don't want you to gain so much life. We're in, like, Commander or EDH, this is... It's like, oh, you gained a little bit of life off of it. Oh, you put a minus one, minus one counter on my... I don't know. It's 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 not that good, I don't think. Anyway, moving on to Cartouche of Strength. Two and a green for an another aura cartouche enchantment. 
Enchant creature you control. Cartesian of strength enters the battlefield. You may have enchanted creature fight one the opponent controls. And then it gives it plus two, plus two, and has trample. Now this one, I think, might actually be good. Because it makes, it fights another creature. And depending on how big your creature is, you don't have to worry. Because the Cartouche of Ambition was only a minus one, minus one counter. Basically what your plus two did. Put a minus one, minus one counter on target creature. But... With Cartouche of Strength, since it's fighting, you could deal way more damage and get rid of a way bigger, scarier creature for the same amount of mana. Of course, your creature's gonna take some damage, of course, but Enchanted Creature gets plus one, plus one, and has Trample. I love Trample and Oathbreaker, because then the damage can go straight through to the opponent's Planeswalker and run them all over. That's why I love Colossal Dreadmaw and Oathbreaker, even though it's just a common with converted mana cost 6 for a 6-6 six, six Trampler. Maybe a better one would be a Raging Monstrosaur, 5-5 five, five for converted mana cost of 5, Haste and Trample in red. That's also pretty good. Anyway, Gift of Paradise, two and a green for an enchantment aura. Enchant land. When it enters the battlefield, you gain three life. Enchanted land has tap, add two mana of any one color. So now the mana, I mean the land, it produces one, an extra color, but of any color. Not that that really matters so much, but you also gain three life. I don't think this is impressive enough to really call space in an Oathbreaker deck. And besides, it's converted mana cost of three you would want to out on like turn two because this turn three that's the mid game people are gonna be like oh i'm gonna come after you or i'm gonna stop you from coming after me and this doesn't do any of that it just ramps and gives you a tiny bit of life all right let's look at the lands of your deck foul orchard enters the battlefield tap produces black or green pretty casual grasping dunes adds a colorless or you can pay one Tap Grasping Dunes, Sacrifice Grasping Dunes, put a Mass for Mass Counter Target Creature, activates his ability only any time you cast a Sorcery. So basically, you pay a mana and sacrifice your precious land to get rid of like a token, a 1-1 token or something. Lame. Okay, so, best card in the deck. Let's see, Oracle's Vault will be absurd with Kiora Behemoth Reckoner, because don't help it get to, you know, casting cards for free, and then drawing cards with her first ability. Let's see, but let's, what for you, for black, what would be the best one? I thought a Festering Mummy was pretty good, because it's a 1-1 one, one chump for one, it dies, then you get rid of an opponent's chump. Uh, oh, also, uh, Giant Spider was also pretty good because it stops all the tiny little flyers. They'll need a really huge flyer to get past. Yeah, and those are all the ones that I really, like, remember real good. So, and your first ability is basically the only good one. Should I refresh? Nah, you already know what to do. It's not like people will want to play with you in Oathbreaker. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry, by the way. Anyway, that's all. Yeah, I, I told you that Nicol Bolas was really upset, right? I mean, you're not going to see him in forever, so it's not going to be an issue at all. Oh, also, I got Tezzeret's old position, so hooray. I don't know. I was like, oh, I wonder if we're going to, I'm going to work with Liliana. And then it's like, nope, you went rogue too. Everybody's going rogue. Why? What's what's going on? Is Nicol Bolas that bad of a boss? He hasn't seemed that bad. Oh, wait. This is a pre-recorded call. I gotta go. Bye-bye.